Welcome to Total Recall. This is another in our harebrained scheme of ideas for podcast topics here at PCAST LLC, where we will take old games that have passed down through the lore of Austin P. State University Athletics, watch them, and then talk about them. And our first contest is the June 1, 2012 NCAA Eugene Regional Contest between the Governors and the number 5 national seed, Oregon Ducks. With me today, the whole brain trust of the Austin P. Athletic Communications Department, uh, PCAST partner in crime, Casey Krieger, and for the first time, the godfather himself, Cody Bush, behind the mic on the podcast. Bush, this was this is your team. You were there. You were there for all yep. of it. So it's a game that hurts. Like I, I like I told you, this is one of probably three NCAA tournament games that there's a there's a sore on my soul from this game, and this is this is probably the one number one out of the group. This was the middle championship season of the three peat. The year before was the Georgia Tech Regional. The year after was a Bloomington Regional where, honestly, we just ran out of arms at the end of the day. Right. But this team, this seemed like the leaping off point for that 13 team. Yes. Um, we weren't great. Um, Tyler Rogers wasn't was Tyler, Tyler Rogers. Rogers. Yeah. Um, and we were responsible for a little bit of that ourselves. Um, you got to remember this is... This is a year where we walked into the tournament uh, with 38 wins, um, into the NCAA tournament with 38 wins. We had to go the long way through the conference tournament. We dropped the first game in conference that year, didn't we? Yeah. Lost to SEMO was. Uh, I went back and looked at all of this. Um, it was the sixth straight loss to SEMO in the conference tournament. Uh, so we worked our way back through, beat Jacksonville State, beat Southeast Missouri, and then had to take two off of EIU. Uh, and that's the year where Casey Kemmer started a game. We pulled him in the first inning because it didn't look good. And then he came back and pitched the second game, five innings, and then brought Zach Tony in. And EIU could not touch Zach Tony for four innings. Um, you know, it, Brad currently loves to tell the story that Zach Tony came in, did nothing but throw fastballs for four innings. And EIU knew exactly what pitch they were going to see and still had no way to do anything with it. Um, so we weren't the 44-win team that followed the next year, but you could see the groundwork had been laid um, for that team. Uh, it's amazing what a Craig Masoni will do for a club from 12 to 13. You, you bring aboard a uh, a conference player of the year, and that'll really push you over the top a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this is a year uh, we win the conference tournament coming from the, the back end of it, um, you know, and – we get shipped. Uh, Vanderbilt was an option, um, but the committee decided since we were kind of the more northwestern South team, um, that <laughs> that we that were <laughs> that we were the ones that were going to get shipped. And, and really, it's the second time second time that we had been shipped at that point as as a school um, because I was also on board when we got shipped to Colorado on for women's basketball. Um, because there was nowhere else for us to go in the opening rounds. It was us in North Carolina on a neutral court, thankfully, uh, that we didn't capitalize. Um, but, you know, we went to Oregon. And I can remember walking in, going to Oregon, and we were thinking that this wasn't 
a dominant Oregon team. Like they were the number five national seed, but you looked at them from a pitching point of view, and there wasn't a dominant starting pitcher. Their bullpen. Their bull, yeah, they had Sheriffy and they yeah. had somebody else. Yeah, who their went bullpen. On to be if, pretty if you good. did not want to get to their bullpen trailing because uh, you just didn't feel like you could do anything against that bullpen. But their starting pitching was where you could kind of make your hay against them. And we did. Um, they brought out Gold. Um, you know, and, and it was, you know, Gold versus Tunney was a pretty good matchup for seven, eight innings. Um, and then, you know, there's the ninth, and <laughs> things kind of go haywire. But for eight innings, uh, we were every bit Oregon's equal. 2012, this was still the last time when they did the broadcast from the regional networks, right? This was not an ESPN thing. No, we were. it was still a regional broadcast. ESPN hadn't become the all-encompassing they did, they got it at, yet. They got it at Super, but they didn't yeah. have all the regionals. Right. The next year, okay, that's what I thought, because – these guys. It was the Oregon radio announcers. It, you, it was you, were, the, you were listening to the Oregon radio broadcast as part of this. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, 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 I was able to listen to about the first inning and a half before I finally got to the point where I was like, I cannot watch this game. This game hurts too much. I mean, I, I listened and watched to the full nine, and the thing that struck me, Two things struck me right off the bat is, one, that is a beautiful facility. It is an an incredible facility. It's amazing what Nike money will. Nike money will get you there. Um, You know, it's PK Park, but you got to realize what the PK stands for, and that is Phil Knight. Um, You walk in, and you guys, if you remember the long shot, you look up underneath, and there's actually real wood underneath. Um, It is built with real Oregon wood through and through. I mean, it is an absolutely incredibly well-built facility. I think I probably speak, well, I mean, you watched an inning and we're like, no, not this time again. But for me and Casey, it was nice to just be watching any baseball in, not at four o'clock in the morning, even if it was <laughs> baseball from eight years ago. It's a game that I know the outcome of, but I didn't know what was going to happen and how it was going to get there. So it was nice to watch a new baseball game. I've never seen the visuals before either. You know, right? Like I, you know, like we know the story. We know what happens. Yeah, but I knew. I knew exactly what went down, but I never. I mean, you probably listened to the radio broadcast. I did. Yeah, you probably listened to Van and I. Mm-hmm. Well, you listened to Van for eight and a half innings. You did not hear me in the bottom of the ninth. Um, there's a story behind that. Well, I as listened. Well. I listened to. Because somebody else was Larry Cleanhart on that trip with you guys. Uh, he might have been. I'd have to. Rem- I can't remember who was in the booth with us, but it was Van and I and someone else in the background for sure. Okay, it might have been Brad Curley as well but, because there was there not a lot of people went on that trip because it was so way, far. Yeah. Um, and I was the team administrator on that trip because there was really you know first part of the trip not a lot of people there. Coach Loose. Uh, not President White, but um, President Hall. President Hall all came for the, you know the day of. Yeah. Um, you know, and so for most of that trip, I was the ranking administrator on the trip, um, and then everyone else kind of made their way out because you you know that week is always OVC meetings week for that regional, so there were some big things that needed to be handled OVC meeting wise. Um, and that's why a lot of the, our administration didn't get out there until the day of the game. The second thing that it was impossible not to notice was how bad these announcer boys butchered <laughs> some of these names. I heard, Leonard. 
John Clenner. Yeah, that is the only way I've ever heard um, that name said. They said Wallenzen. I heard Wallenzen. It was Wallenzen. They called Mangrum Jack Mangrum yeah. one time. Yeah. Greg was Greg Bach or Beckman. It was Beckman. Beck, was Beckman. Beckman. And I'm surprised. The pronunciation guide was not uh, well adhered to. No. I'm so. I'm surprised Tony wasn't Zoctone or something. Like it was really. <laughs> Did, you know, usually when you we don't usually these, equate, you don't usually equate, equate the West Coast with an accent, but there is one, um, and, and you got to experience it there. First play of the game was a very nice, very solid defensive play by Bogman, which, given how the game shook out, seemed like it was a little bit foreshadowy. Yeah, um, you know, we don't play on turf very often. Uh, still don't play. On, we play on more turf now than we probably ever have played. This is the same style stuff that they've got at Belmont, right? Uh, no, this is older than that. Ah. Um, and this this turf was in its final days. Um, they replaced this turf after this season. Uh, if you remember, I don't know how much of second base they showed. Um, <laughs> you can see the pile of black tire pellets right there around second well, base. Well, that wasn't just a pile of pellets. There was actually the turf from everyone sliding into second had piled up. Yeah. You had to go uphill yeah. to get to second base. So this turf was on its last legs. And as the game wore on and it got wet, it got incredibly slick because it didn't have any traction left. Um, and I can remember thinking, telling the guys, you know, you need to be careful at second base going in, but if you're playing def- defense at second base, you need to be aware they're not coming in under control. There's an opportunity at second base. Um, you know, but we, you know, defensively, this wasn't a stellar game for either team uh, by any stretch. Um, it's just that our kind of miscues came at critical, more critical moments than theirs. Although they gave us a run late in the game yeah. through a defensive snafu. So, you know, defense had a lot to say in this game. Well, you mentioned the... Uh the shots at second there weren't many because the high home camera appeared to have been operated by a drunk person <laughs> like it was they had three shots this is the old school version yeah. of a baseball broadcast they had your traditional center shot mm-hmm. they had the high home which just trailed all over the place all of the time and then the behind first shot which mostly got Childress's butt yeah. throughout the game yeah Childress is somebody that I wanted to talk about because that's a guy, I, I think, with Missoni coming in the next year, kind of really buried a lot of his what he'd been able to accomplish. 16 of his 42 hits that year went fresh bases, and he had 31 hits after April 1. Like, how vital was he to that team? Well, that's, you know, you look at our record, and a lot of those losses are in the first half of the season. Um, I joke with Reed, Reed Harper, his entire career was made after April 1st. Um, that guy hated the cold. Reed Harper hated the cold. And every year of his career, you look, about April 1, it starts to get warm, and here comes Reed Harper charging in uh, to the finish line. Um, Tyler got the same way. Um, I didn't go look at temperatures, but I remember the first part of that season being really flipping cold. Um, and then we got to April 1, and then summer just kind of appeared, and everyone just kind of got going at the same time. Uh, we had 24 losses, and I would bet 20 of those are in pre-April 1. Um, we did not lose a lot in the second half of the season, which, you know, you think about 2013, we did 
pretty much the same thing in 2013. We, well, in 2013, we didn't lose a lot. We didn't lose yeah. at all. But, you know, you think about it, we got to May, and we didn't lose in May in 2013. I mean, we spent the entire month of May without a loss, uh, which is not something you see very often um, at this level. But uh, Tyler just – Tyler made it go. Um, he was down there in that four, five, six part of the lineup, and once he, his bat started figuring it out, we started putting runs on the board. Um, and, you know, he wasn't a guy that walked a lot, but he found a way to get on base in this game uh, late in it, and it made, and gave us an opportunity to climb back in. And, that, and this game is the hallmark of this team. You know, we fell behind early, got back in it, fell back behind, got back in it um and if we'd have had one more half inning probably would have found a way to win this baseball game um we really had found a way to win the game i mean we had this game one through eight and a half well there were so many fluky things that yes. happened but i mean let's not get ahead of ourselves too far um the uh ver- the, the fast kid warren mm-hmm. with the two bun hits that also basically were two bunt doubles because yep. tony threw the ball away both times like that and I know for you me, knew they had a scouting report. I mean, you watched them and they they had they, a scouting report they and they followed that report to the like gospel. Yeah. At the beginning of the game, when they said the Oregon coach was a Cal State Fullerton guy, mm-hmm. I knew it was going to be West Coast baseball, which means they're going to bunt every time a runner gets on first. And we made two errors on bunts. We didn't field them and throw, like they're giving you the out. Pick the ball up and throw it to first, well, and it's two outs. Instead, we gave them three runs on those two bunts. And, and you think about it, we're two teams that are basically the same type of team at this point in 2012. We have Blanchard and Kleinard at the top of our order. We have one in ten and one in ten only. Blanchard get on, Kleinard get him over. Yep. You know we were in 2012 very much with that pairing. Get them on, get them over, get them in. Uh, very West Coast style. Um, you know, not like in 2013, no. where it was get them on, bash them in. Yeah, get, get them on and let three, four, five get up and yeah. drive them on. But really, those bunts are the different. Yes. It's two outs and three runs. It should have been two outs. Instead, it's three runs. And Well, I mean, both times he threw the ball away trying to get this former track <laughs> Yes, standard. I heard the track. Yep. Like, and not, no, I went and looked this dude up like, this guy could have gone to the Olympics potentially. He was that kind of speed. You like your chances better if he just picks the ball up and doesn't make either of those throws, and you exactly. risk it with the next batter. That's right. Because exactly. instead of three runs, it's but that's, not an. It's just not an out. It's just. But that was not Zach Tony. Right. You, Zach nobody's Tony's nobody's nobody's not going to pick that ball up and just eat it right. just because. But uh, just those well, throws. You, those you throws think, hurt. You just think about what might have been. I know that's what I kept going back to is if he just eats both of those, what happens? I don't know. You take yeah. your chances with the next batter and yeah. hope they have to, that you have to make him get a hit. Ch- chances are pretty decent. Sure, with that guy's speed, he winds up on second anyway. Yeah, he's probably stealing yeah. right away. Um, we never gave him the opportunity to show what he would do if he was stuck at first <laughs> after his swing. Uh, he always ended up – he was either out or, you know, on second base, it seemed, each time he came to the plate. So – um, but you know, you, Zach Tony. That was Zach Tony. You know, he was going to effort to get the out, and you can't fault him for the first one. You might be able to fault him for the second. Learn from your first one. Um, but he was trying to get outs, and he knew outs were important. You were trying to get their twenty-seven in the book as quick as you could uh, in this game. I think he had a chance on the first one. The second one was. A, I don't think he had a chance on that play. No, I mean the guy. The guy had to have been almost at first. Again, the camera work here was not. <laughs> it was shoddy. It, it, it wasn't the best. Three camera setup is hard, as we we know from our own 
home field when we run three camera, it's it's tough to get that angle at first base and figure out what happened over there. Um, but when you got a guy that's that fast, it makes it even tougher because every play is a bang bang play. Casey, I know how much you hate bunting, just sort of <laughs> the general core concept of it. I'm this, did watching this where every other guy was laying one down just make you sick? Like I said, I knew going into it when I saw, heard it was a Fullerton assistant coach was the Oregon head coach. I knew they were going to bunt, and I just it just makes me so mad that a team that bunts is successful because they shouldn't be. They're giving away outs. Just pick the ball up and throw to first. They're giving you the out. But I mean, that's how they beat us. We couldn't pick the ball up and throw it to first two times. And well, but the the difference between. What you're thinking about and what Oregon and what we were trying to do is we were bunning for base hits. We were not bunning just to give right. ourselves up. Um, you know, Blanchard could bunt and get on base as well as anyone. Blanchard had speed to spare uh, in that leadoff spot. The the sack bunner of the pair was Kleinard. Um, Kleinard at this point did not have speed to burn. Uh, so it was Blanchard on Kleinard to get him over. Um, wasn't that the year that Kleinard set the program record for sack bunts yes. in the season? Okay, yes. I thought so. <laughs> I mean, we, we did it a lot in the second half of the season. Um, you know, and Kleinard was almost all conference because of it. I'm, st- I mean, I'm still if against If I remember it. right, Kleinard was our DH. Yeah, he was. A DH. Our DH. That makes, that makes me want to The DH who laid was down 20, 22 yep. sack bunts and that, that was, year. I'm going to go be sick. I'm going to be Kleinard's sick. job, and he did it better than anyone else probably in the country that year. Oh God, <laughs> it makes me sick. I know we've I know we devoted a lot of our discussion about the lineup to one and two, but have we ever had a more overqualified nine hole guy than Cody Hudson? I, no, I, no, maybe I, maybe, I, maybe Pat Masoni in his Pat senior. Maybe, maybe Pat in senior year. Yeah, you're but right. the but it was you don't see this premise very often because you usually don't have the guys to do it. But we looked at Hudson as the first leadoff guy when the rotation lineup came back around. Because if Hudson got on, you knew Blanchard was going to get on. Kleinard's sitting there, and what's he going to do? He's going to put down the bunt, and both of them are going to move. And you're pretty sure you now have runners on second and third when three, four, five come up. Um, and we did that a lot during the course of that second half of the season. Was That was our premise. Um, but Hudson could have easily been in the three, four, five part of the order. Uh, he had that kind of power in his bat as well. Next year, in amongst that group, he moved to – I'm trying to remember. Did he did he split his time between leadoff and yeah. doing that same thing? Yeah, because we didn't have a Blanchard yeah, or Blanchard and Kleinard both moved yeah. on by that point. Um, the the surprise that the announcers <laughs> registered about wow these guys can hit the ball like that's really insulting by that point. Like we didn't make the NCAA tournament by accident. But you always hear it from announcers who don't know anything about the team because they're coming from the middle of nowhere. But you you look at that team and you look at the stats. and They'd won, like, back-to-back championships, too. Let's not forget that. You get back-to-back ships. That team is a group hit, like, 275 that year or something. And and you always hear that comment from a team that you've never seen, and you hear it from a team that's confident because they're sitting there with the number five national seed next to their name. Um, They did not expect a whole lot of trouble. They should have. They got swept in the last week of the regular season. Yeah, they didn't let that go, that getting swept by Oregon yeah. State the last week of the and season. So they were coming in with a little bit of a chip on their on their shoulder um, because that's always a bad series to lose. 
Uh, you do you do not want to be the loser of the Oregon Oregon State series. Uh, they were over it, they said, but I don't oh, yeah. be, I don't believe them. They were they're still seeing Michael Conforto and their nightmares. Yeah, but you look at the field of that tournament, and it's us. Indiana State's the three seed. Uh, we both flew out to Oregon on the same plane. Um, the NCA picked up Indiana State, and then flew to Nashville, picked us up, and we both flew out together, um, which you don't usually see, but the NCA saving money so um so we flew out there indiana state on one side austin p on the other um cal state fullerton i think yeah they were, was, they were the was other the team two seed. yeah so if you're oregon you're like we just gotta beat the, fullerton the, the bracket set up for us i mean because yeah. it wasn't a great fullerton team. no it was a real they were like 35 it, and 25 it was or something. Probably but they're still the, trying to beat fullerton at their own game the way the they only play. reason fullerton gets shipped there is because there are so few west regions right that that's where they got sent. Um, and Indiana State and Austin P were supposed to balance the bracket somehow for Oregon and did not, you know, just didn't turn out that way. Um, although, you know, Oregon, if I remember right, survived a scare from Cal State Fullerton in round two. Like, they did not dominate this region. Did they get another walk-off in game two? Probably. Um, I have the schedule. Hold on. Um, I don't remember Oregon dominating this regional the way you would have expected the number five national seed to do so. The only reason they dominated us the next time we saw them is we were down out of pitching. We were we were at the bottom of the barrel pitching wise, um, through no fault of our own. I mean, let's be honest. The one shining moment out of this whole region is the next two games after this, where we go where you get Delgado shut out, um, and then there's a combined shutout of Indiana State and Cal State Fullerton to send them both home. Um, and Michael Blanchard has, you know. The, the beautiful catch. The beautiful catch in center field, which is the baseball equivalent of the block. Yeah. You know, the defensive play that defines a weekend, and Blanchard had it. You got it over there? Oregon beat Fullerton 7-5 to five in their next game. They scored, uh, they was 5-5 five to five in the eighth. They had a two-run double. Yeah, another walk off. Another another late game heroic. Well, no, they tied it. They took the lead in the eighth and won it. They just closed okay. it out. Yeah, in the so ninth. it was it was late. Uh, yeah, it was their final at bat. Alt Belly doubled and won the game. Gotcha. Yeah. So, for the bulk of this game, for the bulk of his outing, Tony, I mean, he put fourteen guys on in five and two thirds. Zach Tony. I mean, that's that's not playing it with. That's not playing with danger. That's inviting it on a two-week vacation to your place in Gatlinburg. And he did the same, but he did the same thing the weekend before. Yeah. Um, he was the number one pitcher of the conference tournament, ran into all kinds of trouble against Southeast Missouri. I think we pulled him early. That's how we were able to bring him back. Um, it got to the point where it's like, do we keep Zach out there, or do we pull him and kind of save that bullet in case we may need it to get out of this thing? Um, because we weren't guaranteed. I mean, we still had to win the tournament the OVC tournament, to get to the NCAA tournament. It wasn't like in 13 where we were wandering into the conference tournament. I was 98% sure that no matter what, as long as we won our first game in the conference yeah, as tournament, as we, didn't we go were going. Two and out, we were going there. Because um, we were top 20 in RPI that year. So it was kind of like everyone was laughing at me like. We were each, what, 17 in the polls that year? Yeah. And everyone was laughing at me because I'm like, I'm pretty sure we're in no matter what we do here in Jackson. and I, And they were like. Ha, 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 and then we pull a two seed. And I'm like, you're not a two seed if you're you that close to the yeah, level. <laughs> you weren't on the cut line if that's what yeah. you did. The weird thing about Tony's outing, like you, the the two errors on the pitcher, I mean, that is obviously going to jump out at you in the score line. 
it's the Hambright, the left-handed Hambright going four for four <laughs> against the guy who is such a tough hit in a left-hander in Zach Tony. What was what was that about? Uh, the, the one thing I'll say about Oregon, and, and you know, our assistant coaches at the time kind of gave me a heads up about Oregon, is they are a very disciplined team, and that whatever the scouting report says they're going to try to win with their scouting report. Um, and so whatever they had against Zach Tony was, you know, to the book. Yeah. And the one kid figured it out and hit us for four for four. And it, they weren't flukes. I mean, it wasn't like no, he, was, he out, was, yeah. was out reaching for anything. I mean, he was squaring up pitches and, and doing some damage. And it was just one of those things that we couldn't figure out how to beat him and you know with an adjustment there was an adjustment we could make to beat him at the plate because our pitching coach at the time he would have figured it out how to make that adjustment and just any adjustment we made he seemed to have a response for bottom second there are a couple of situations where hudson took two really odd routes on fly balls i had that in my notes that fly ball the hambright single the r hambright whichever because they hit back-to-back, the mm-hmm. Hambright brothers. Yeah. It dropped right in front of him. And it looked like he – I feel like he could have got to that ball. I don't know. See, the it was, it was a weird – Okay, I didn't watch the film, so you guys will have to remind me of the conditions because you got to remember – It wasn't raining it yet. It wasn't raining yet. Was it, was, it, was it sunny? It wasn't sunny, but it's know. like – It because, wasn't sunny the whole game. Because their ballpark, home plate down the left field line, is east. So the sun sets behind home plate, a la – the opposite of Knoxville, whereas in Knoxville it sets down the right field line and it stares right at the catcher. In Oregon, the left fielder is staring, would be staring at any sun if it actually shone in Eugene, Oregon that weekend. Case correct, I don't remember a lot of sun. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Before it started raining on the video that we watched, it's kind of it's that kind of overcast that's sort of dazzlingly yep. bright. It was overcast, yeah. It was, it was that high sky yeah. overcast, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it, typical Oregon Chamber of Commerce weather. Overcast, chance of rain, you know, um, but they weren't bothered by it. That's, that's every day for that, them. Yeah. That's why they've got a turf. That's, that's one of the things their broadcasters brought up because as I'm watching this game go along, and the rain starts. And it's not. And even though I know that it's the field turf and there's no. There, only the mound has really got to be worried about. I mean, it's not just a light drizzle. No. It's heaving rain. Yeah. I mean, it's. It probably watching the game, you probably saw it as a haze yeah. kind of rain. Um, and, it, and it rained heavy. And it was a kind of rain that if it were here at Raymond Sehan Park, we're not playing um, because our field gets sloppy with that kind of rain. There. You know, it's water off a duck's back, for lack of a better phrase. It was just, it was jarring because you never see the home field advantage playouts quite so starkly in baseball. But, like, you could tell those guys absolutely had no bother at all. And then anytime they'd pan to our dugout or you'd see a shot behind in our dugout, everybody's bundled up and freezing cold. I mean, but to our credit, we didn't let it take us out of the game. We may have been miserable, um, but we were in the game all the way through. You know, we, we, you never watched the game and felt like we were being overpowered 
were kind of shuffled off to one side of the game like you had seen prior to the season. You know, um, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, at the end of the game, it just got sloppy. You know, I think it started raining again there in the eighth and ninth mm-hmm. innings. And it was, again, that heavy kind of rain, and it just made it a sloppy track right at the end. The two the catches to end the fourth and the fifth inning, Hudson had a sliding catch to end the fourth with runners on base, and then Rolando fell down making a catch on the track yeah. in, in the fifth with runners on base. Oh, yeah, I remember. In back-to-back innings, Tony had runners on base and two good catches saved him. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember the guy – I remember now that you mention it, the announcers – uh, talking about Hudson redeeming himself and thinking, boy, is that the entire Cody Hudson experience yes. in a nutshell? Yeah. <laughs> the two um, odd routes followed by the inning ender. <laughs> I mean, and the thing we haven't talked about, the, the big blow of the game for both teams is Jordan Hankins. Yeah. Um, you know, comes up, we, we get two men on. I want to say it's the fourth or fifth inning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing how much of this game I actually do remember um, in bits and spurts, but I do remember the Hankins home run. Um, to their bullpen and right. Uh, and we kind of joked before before we got on here, you know, Hankins hits that ball anywhere else in that park, it's probably off the top of the wall and it comes back in. But for some reason, Oregon over in their bullpen drops the fence down. Yep. And it's and it's only waist high. I mean, it's not – it's dangerous nowadays. I mean, you look at a fence like that and you're like, that's just not good design. It's dangerous um, because a guy could go toppling right over the top of that wall without even noting it. But – Hankins puts it where you need to put it if you're going to get out, and that's if there's if there's a headline for Hankins' career at Austin P. It's NCAA tournament home runs, yep. because the year before Georgia he Tech. hits the home run at Georgia Tech that wins us the ball game as a freshman, um, and was our first opening round win, and then the next year he almost hands us another opening round win at Oregon. It looked like he hit that ball just a mile, and it snuck out by just half a foot. And that's just the conditions in Oregon. It was I. I saw that swing and I was like, okay, that ball's yeah. that ball's out of the stadium. Yeah, he, he just launched that thing. He put it on the net. And then the right fielder's tracking and I'm like, what what's going on here? <laughs> and then it drops right over and hits right in front of their pitchers in the bullpen. I was like, I cannot believe that ball barely snuck out. Reed Harper hit into two double plays in this game. Not something you'd say very often. He hit into one double play the entire year yeah. before. Yes. I just thought that was a like, Again, scattering report. He also had one of the biggest double plays of the game. He turned where that was the ground ball to him where he could have went home. If he would have went home, the runner's safe, and they score again. But instead, he gets the double play and gets two outs, yep. and we're only down one instead of having not two outs in the inning. Yeah, that that, and they were kind of killing him a little bit on the broadcast. For, yeah, they were like, well, uh, he Not he killing had, him, but killing the positioning where we weren't He, had a cha- we he were, should have had a chance to go home. Well, if he tries to go home and that runner's safe, we don't get to the ninth we, inning we were, with a chance. We were more than happy to trade a run for two outs. No, it was it was the right decision. I wrote that down. Yeah. I just, I, could, I it was another thing with those announcers. Like I, I think he made the right play, and I don't know why they thought he I mean, should have went home. Being on that. the four seed in a in a regional, you got to be aggressive. You got to be. You have got to get twenty seven outs, and you and you you know, Gary McClure was famous for this. You can't give them more than twenty seven outs. Uh, unfortunately, we gave them a lot more yeah, than twenty seven outs in this game. But that was one of those plays where we actually rolled the number back a little bit because um, we could have made this game a lot more difficult. Um, and, and the thing is, you know, this is the official scorer in me coming out, is that throw home isn't a for sure thing if it's not a force. Right. Because you're asking your catcher to catch with a catcher's mitt, first of all. And second, apply a tag to a runner that's trying to avoid him. So you have no guarantee there's an out there. 
Um, there's enough weird stuff that can happen in the mechanics of that play. You, with our infield, with that infield that we had, you felt like you could get that double play. Like that double play was even with a force play. I'm not sure if that's an out. Yeah, guaranteed out at home play. That's yeah. that play's too tight. Well, f- and their team is pretty fast in yeah. general. Yeah. I mean that's that's a thing with them is you're playing so much speed. Is it better to sacrifice it mm-hmm. one at home to try to get two off the base pass? And I think that's obviously yeah. the right call there. To the ninth. Yeah. So at this point in the broadcast, you stop hearing me because I'm the team administrator. So the team administrator after the game has to be on the field. And so I'm starting to pack up, which is a violation of press box rules for me, if you know me well enough. You don't assume anything that's coming. So I'm packed, and I'm off the broadcast at this point because I'm waiting for for the 26th out to make my way down to the field and, you know, get things figured out for the next game um, for coin toss and all the kind of stuff that you have to do after the game, plus the post-game press conference. Yeah. Um, so I'm doing all, getting ready to do all that after the game. So I jump off the broadcast. So I am now just a spectator watching the bottom of the ninth unfold in well, front of me. Watching tragedy unfold yes. in real time. Um, you know, and, and, you know, there's so many things. You look at the ninth, the what-ifs are just monumental in this bottom of the ninth. Um, you know, Tyler comes, Tyler Rogers comes in and hits the first two guys, you know, and they're legit hit by pitches. Yeah, it's, it's not no, like they're no sitting there leaning pitch. in on these pitches. I mean, Tyler's not the kind of guy that gives up those kind of HVPs. This point in his career. Still a little wild. Still a little wild. Um, you know, I kind of mentioned, I felt we had done our damage way earlier in the season. You go back to the EIU weekend, the famous – Van Stokes line. He spent a spent a year one weekend in Charleston. This was that year um, where we went there. Um, game one was rained out because they forgot to tarp their field, and they we get there and they have a four wheeler stuck to the axles in the infield, and we're like, "There's just no way we're playing here this weekend." Uh, we wake up on Saturday, field is immaculate. It's like they shipped in a whole brand new field in Charleston, Illinois. So we get game one started, and we're tied. And we started at noon. It's early in the season, so some daylight ends pretty quick. They also don't have lights. And they're one of the last ones without lights. Tyler Rogers is on the mound trying to close this game. We don't get it closed before dark. And when I say dark, I'm like, car lights would not have helped us this night. Um, kind of dark. So we stopped the game tied. Charleston so we, dark's a different dark. Yeah. And so we're supposed to play doubleheader because we didn't play the first day of the series. So game one suspends. We go to game the next day. We're going to resume game one and then finish with get a seven-inning game and get out of Charleston, hopefully. Well, game one just won't end. Tyler Rogers then starts the resumption. He finished the game the night and then returns to, to resume the next day. Ends up pitching four and two-thirds between two days. And for me, that you look at his stats before and after the four and two-thirds innings, and they're just they're not the same. Um, his walk-to-strikeout ratio kind of dips after this point. He kind of gets a little bit more wild. We were still trying to figure out at this point, how do you handle a submariner work rate-wise? Um, we knew we couldn't give him too much time off because with his arm motion, you, it's a, a motion were, you have to repeat. The repetition of the slot is one of the biggest Absolutely. Um, and we didn't. And that was all stuff we were still trying to figure out with him. Uh, and you, I think you see the effects of that the next season. 
uh, where we use him consistently. He's the ninth inning guy. He is the door slammer. Um, very few more than three out appearances that next season. But this season, after that, he kind of just tailed off. Uh, no fault of his own. Um, it's just one of those things. There's, you know, there's sometimes you go too long as a reliever and you just and you can't you, you don't can't recover fill the tank back up. Yeah, and I think this was that out that EIU game up there was that outing for him. Um, I think if you get the 2013 Tyler Rogers back in this 2012 game, completely different story. Um, he was just at such a different level that next season. Uh, I don't think Oregon would have been able to do anything with him, but they get two men on, uh, two hit batsmen, so you know what they're going to do. They're, I think the top of the order is now up. Uh, the bunners are up. Yep. So sack bunt. They get the runners to second and third. We intentionally walk. We make the smart play. On, I think it was Ryan Healy. Yeah, that was Ryan Healy, too. I mean, yeah, that's so, what you have to do. Yeah, there. so it's an, it's an automatic intentional walk to load the bases. You've got an out, and you're feeling pretty good that you can find a way to get two before they can get a run in. Like, you're feeling... Especially with a guy who's an extreme worm burner the way yeah. Rodgers is. Um, so, all the strategy is now out for both of these coaches. Like, every bit of strategy is being played at this point in the game. So, the, the one part of my memory that I can't remember is the kind of ball that was hit. I don't remember it was a full swing. It was a full swing. That went swing. nowhere. Just, just right to the ground. The top of the ball and went straight to the ground. Rogers plays it perfectly. Yeah, no, Tyler, he, he Tyler got off the mound quick. His momentum is taking him to the third baseline, mm-hmm. and it just so happens that the runner is just past him as he reaches the line. So he is swiping at the runner's back. Yeah, we see the play, and everyone in the press box is like, "Well, everyone in the Austin P portion of the press box is like, he's out." Home plate umpire calls him safe. Bedlam ensues. Um, Gary McClure goes out and is just adamant that he's out. Um, the, the thing I think that struck me knowing Rodgers is that's the only time in watching his baseball career I ever saw him absolutely lose his cool. Yes, and, and a lot of guys did. Everybody did, and they were um, justified. It's uh, P.J. Torres behind the plate. Mm-hmm. And PJ's Latin blood came out, and he was demonstrably upset. It was almost a Britt Underwood finish there, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I remember Bachman kind of just standing there, numb. I don't remember him reacting a whole lot. I just remember him kind of in the background. Like a surrender Cobra thing going on, like where he was like, I can't believe what I just saw. You know, and and you know me, I'm the guy that always looks at it from all angles. Um, You know, the umpires get together. There's no way that the umpire, home plate umpire is getting any help here. Um, unfortunately, it's bases loaded. Yeah. Um, it's a ball hit in the infield. All the runners are advancing. Every other umpire is responsible for their base at that point. They cannot. There, there is no way to help home plate at this point. Um, they've got to make sure that their guys do what the, their base runners do what they're supposed to do at this point. If the third base umpire is not occupied by that, too, I think you could have gotten out of the baseline call. Because even the Oregon radio announcer said, I think he's out of the baseline. Yeah, he tried to avoid the tag. And I don't understand how the plate umpire from where he was couldn't have Right. No, I think he should have seen that, too. I don't think too. that argument was ever made. But then the thir- if the third base umpire is not looking at a play at third, too, I think he's looking down that line more and he can see that. But I mean, I don't know the argument that, that Gary made. 
to home plate. I'm sure it, the primary argument was the tag was applied. Yeah. Um, Which it looked like it was. Well, photographic well, evidence would then associated, later reveal. Associated Press that night runs the photo that gets us all stirred up again about it. I'm going to need um, to see that photo. Um, it, it's pretty clear cut. Yeah. I mean, his jersey is mm-hmm. visibly moved yeah. to one side. Like, his uniform number is rotated. So it's the tag has obviously been applied, but you got to remember this is 2012. We don't we don't have replay, right? Um, this this is one of the last years without replay in college baseball in the postseason at all levels. Um, that's why ESPN takes over. Um, is the NCAA was adamant for the championship? We've got to have some form of replay. You're welcome, everybody else. Um, yeah, well, I think. Well, there were several plays they, in 2012. There was a bunch of stuff that went yeah. down in 2012 that seemed like it was. It was just one. Of, it was one of those years the umpires were not going to win from a from a point of view in the postseason. Um, just enough weird stuff happened. Um, you know, you you look at where the umpire standing. You wish the umpire was off the line. Like he had, if he had moved to an angle, maybe he has a better chance to make the call. If he moves towards that inside, he yeah. has a better chance to make the call. But from where he is... There's no way. He misses that, but he should have the clear cut. Okay, he's definitely out of the base path. But you never, you never see it... Okay, I won't say never because I have seen an, ump, an umpire call out of the baseline on their own. Um, but usually that's an appeal kind of thing. You, especially back in 2012, umpires weren't going to call out of the baseline unless a coach requested it upon appeal. Um, you know, in retrospect, the one thing I wish Tyler Rogers had done was knock the guy off the baseline. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to go, if you're going to be that close then just go ahead and physically move the guy. So there's no doubt. He still moved when he got him. tagged though. The runner, I, I mean, the runner looks like he gets tagged from his reaction too. Cause he goes down to oh, the he ground. He's tagged. He goes down to the ground and he is laying there and then he sees the umpire signal safe. And then he reaches out and yes. touches home again. Yes. He doesn't touch home until after the umpire's right. Said no, there's no tag. Right. And of course, the crack crew of cameras here did not make this. They did not get a good replay, would not have helped us because there wasn't a camera on that side of the field. The one down the first baseline from where it was situated, the play was happening up in this upper right quadrant of the camera frame, and high home couldn't tell you anything even yeah. though that was the one play of the entire affair that looked like it was stable yeah and after the game you know i mean well let's remember and that play only ties the game we're five 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 at that point then we get another one of those and then, then tyler does his job the exact next pitch gets another worm burner and bachman just can't get it out of his glove um they rule it a base hit i argue to this day for tyler's sake that it should be an error Sorry, Bach, but... Even if Bach gets the ball off his glove, it's a close play at home. Yes, it's a close play. Yeah. Well, you know, I think the play actually goes to first. He was tr- I, He was either After he to, lost the ball... He was either trying to go one, or he lost the ball trying to yeah. pivot to go two. Yeah. But there was only one out, wasn't there? Right. So it doesn't matter if he goes to first. Right. right. So it's... Well, that's the thing, is I think he, he had the prime setup to go straight to first but he needed to get that lead guy and when he transferred it looked like the ball just yeah the wet turf finally got got up and bit us that day i mean it's insane to to look back on that inning and look back and the farthest hit ball was probably the sankins no, no, the, the that inning for Oregon, that yeah. inning. Oh, they get one past Rod. They got the they one got to the Bachman. One, they got the one to Bachman, and that was it. And that was just that was still no deeper than the mound. 
Yeah. It was on the back edge of the mound. Because he was playing in. Yeah, he was playing way in. Yeah, because we expected a bunt out of them. Because um, we knew that was in their, their wheelhouses, that sack bunt for a squeeze. Um, you know, I remember being in the press box and just there were no words. Um, just that, that feeling in the pit of your stomach that you, you had the number five team dead to rights and you let them slither away. Um, and you had a little bit of, of to say about it yourself because um, we didn't help ourselves um, at all in the game in that ninth inning. But you know, we were down two nothing, up three two, down five three, lose six five. Four three. Yeah. Four three. Four three, and then we got up five. Four. Yeah. And then, um, you know, so I think that's the part that hurts the most is is you had the host on the ropes. Um, to the point where everyone in the building was kind of concerned whether they were going to be in the w- winner's bracket the next day. Uh, and then you just kind of let it get away from you at the end. Um, you know, I remember waking up the next day and felt like I had was hungover and I did not have a drop to drink. It was just the emotional leftover. You just get out of that situation and you do your job and then Yeah. I mean you, you read spin. the recap and it is absolutely a by the book recap. There's no there's no joy or murder in the whole thing. It's just here's what happened. Here's what happened. You interpreted it yeah, for what it I got is. think I got the recap done at one Pacific time that night. Uh that's when I could finally get my thoughts together in some kind of form. Uh the next day we show up for that elim- that elimination game. And I walked all the way out to center field, which you never see me do, but I just needed to get away from people. Because um, I knew if I stuck around where I normally do, people were going to come up and want to talk. And I just, it wasn't in me to talk at that point in, this, in the weekend. And then, you know, to our guys' credit, you know, Casey Delgado, um, and I can't remember my game three starter for the life of me. I can see his face Is as that clear Kimmer? as it. No. Um, Bearded guy, I can I can see his face for the life of me. Oh, oh, golly! Um, Just came out and I mean Delgado had to do it first because he had the first elimination game, and he just came out and shoved. Uh, complete game, shut out. Um, you know, kind of the start of the Delgado. The, um, the big game. The big stuff game that he would bring. Yeah, that he had his entire senior career. Um, you know, you talk about jumping off points. That, I think, for Delgado was the jumping off point, was to beat Indiana State like that. Um, and then Cal State Fullerton, the one nothing shutout uh, the next day to get us back to the regional final, to our first regional, regional final. final. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we just – its I don't know that we ran out of pitching because it's not like we used a lot of pitching in that tournament because um, Tony went quite a ways. I think we only used three pitchers against Oregon. Delgado throw, and Rogers, and then Delgado throws the shutout, and then Game Three. Kimmer went the first two innings, then Mike Herbert, then Zach Lefe- or Zane Lefew, then Ryan Quick, Tyler Rogers, Lucas Anderson, and Chuck Edlin. And that's where we got into a mess in Game Three. Yeah. Is the the combined shutout kind of blew up our plan for whatever we could do in Game Four? Uh, in Game Four was another mass unit yeah. outing for us. Um, you know, but well, that's the thing that for the regionals, I mean, that's where it's stacked in the favor of the big schools mm-hmm. because big schools are going to have 
Their more, midweek guy is is still a weekend guy to us. Yeah, they're going to have more high quality arms that they can go later. And when you're us, I mean, would, the next year at Bloomington, who same we, story. We started we started Kevin Corey yes. in game it, most yeah. of the time an infielder. And it, and it was a and it was a coin toss. I mean, there was the next year that game four. I remember being in the dugout and that decision was being argued about until five minutes before the card had to be turned in yep. to the NCA. Because um, there was a lot of layoff between the two games that day. Uh, we handled our business in the first game pretty quickly uh, against Valparaiso. Um, and then, you know, again, just we didn't have a starter, a midweek starter that could get us um, or available. You know, uh, I think it was another one of those cases where that year what, what got us is we beat Florida in game one. Delgado is on his bad week. It was the year where he had good week, bad week, good week, bad week. His good week was in the conference tournament, thankfully. Yeah, needed that. Um, and then his bad week just happened to be against Indiana, which the, that's the Schwarber. The Schwarber Sam Indiana. 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 <laughs> that's the Schwarber Hoosiers that year. He was all right. He was decent. Um, you know, but, you know, the nice thing that next year was um, Florida coming in all upset because they were the number three seed. They were a 500 ball club that season. 28-28. It feels so bad the, for them. Eked, eked into the tournament, came in with this massive chip on their shoulder. Um, not the team, just their fan base. Yeah. Had a massive chip on their shoulder that we should still be the two seed even though we're a 500 ball club. Um, and thank to, thanks to Michael Davis um, and his home run, I – don't spoil that one because that's going to be one of the next yeah, episodes. I remember that home run. I remember I, – I wish we had the video of the, our bullpen on that home run because that's my favorite highlight out of that whole run is our bullpen's reaction to that ball. Um, but this week this, – this 2012 season was much more of a foundation layer than the 2011 season for me. Yeah. 2011, we were good. We were, we were sh- for sure the best team in our conference in 2011. And there were some people, like Hankins, kind of had a big breakout yeah. in 2011. Um, 2012, we were, we were far and away the best team in our conference. Um, we just got off to a really bad start. Um, 2013, and you can ask Reed Harper, and you can ask Joel Mangrum, because I remember saying it after a basketball game here in the Dunn Center, and I'm like, if we play to our capabilities, we are a top 25 team in 2013. And they're like, there's no way. I'm like, I'm like, guys, in my heart of hearts, this is one of the best teams I will probably see come through Austin P. Top to bottom. And that's not knowing what Craig Masoni was going to be. That's not the pitching that was coming back. Yeah, we, were jo- we joke all the time that Craig Masoni had the worst fall of any hitter in the history of Austin P. baseball. Like, if you'd have asked us at the end of the fall if Craig Masoni was going to play baseball for Austin P in the spring, it would have been if everyone in front of him gets hurt. It was that bad a fall, and I think he will admit he had a bad fall. And then he comes out in the spring, and it's, just, and it's from day one for Craig. Like, the first day he touches down at Raymond C.N. Park, it's off, and off we go. Um, and we were unstoppable for all but two weekends in 13. And it's because... You, you go to a tournament like this, you take the number five national seed to the wire, you shut out 
two well-named programs, Indiana State and Cal State Fullerton, two blue bloods in baseball. Um, you have no choice but to gain confidence from that, especially as a pitching staff to go shut out, shut out as part of it. Um, you know, and I think you see that the next season. We just come out and we're like, you know, we're that good. And we believed we were that good, and we just took it to a lot of people in 13. But 2012 lays, lays that foundation without a doubt. Case final thoughts. This, Like me, this was your first time getting the full visual of this. It was – I'm glad you guys watched the whole game because I'd I only can't. ever heard of the tag and uh, – or the supposed missed tag, and it was clearly a tag. Yeah. So now whenever anybody wants to talk about that, we can we can do so. Yeah, I wish I had more Oregon people in my life I could argue with this with about this because it's clearly it's clearly a tag. I wonder if anybody from Oregon remembers this the tag play like we do. I mean, this Jerry Allen guy is still a broadcaster for them. The the other guy, Crawitz, I think sells insurance now or something. But Jerry Allen is still up there and he's the I think he was the play by play voice. Well Jerry if you're listening, uh we'd yeah. love to have you on. Yeah, if you want to come on and uh, <laughs> share your thoughts about this as well. I uh, would I would love to know, you know I would love to hear the guy, the, the players' feelings, you know, like a Bachman, Reed, you know, what their feelings were as they went through this game. Jordan, Hankins. Um, you once, know, that, once that because tag. Because Hankins used this game to catapult himself onto the U.S. Collegiate National Team. He ends up playing in the Netherlands and Cuba yeah. that summer because the head coach for Oregon was the head coach for the U.S. Collegiate right. National Team. And like everything that he saw out of Hankins at second base, a reasonable conclusion to come to. Yeah, smart guy. Well, guys, this is fun. We'll do this again sometime. I think I talk too much. I'll try to talk less when we talk about 2013. I'll well, let is, you guys lead the conversation. This is an audio medium, so I mean, it would have been a lot more awkward if it was just 40 <laughs> well, minutes of dead air and 10 minutes of analysis. Well, then you would have known what Van Stokes feels like when I stopped talking about the fifth inning of a, of a game. <laughs> We've all done radio with Van, so yeah. Every, every, everybody's here. Everybody here has served their nickel with Van. All right, well, that'll do it. Thanks, guys.